Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to our weekly Living with Emuna. I know I look forward to it every week, gathering together with you to once again remind ourselves that Hashem is in our life, that He loves us, He has expectations of us, that we are lost without Him, that we need Him, and how much lives, how much our lives are enriched and better when we have Him there. I want to thank our generous sponsors for this year, Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, who was a great model of Living with Emuna, and in memory of Dr. Ellen Chanzer, who is Bella's mother, who lived a life of service and chesed to the Jewish community. Thank you so much for your generosity and sponsorship. This morning's shir is also sponsored by Simcha Marchand and observance of the Yurtzeit of his father-in-law, Menachem Mendel Ben Zaman, whose Yurtzeit was the 27th of Tevez, and his beloved sister, Dvoralea Bas Dov Ber, second Yurtzeit is second of Shvat, and in appreciation of the BRS rabbis for all that we do. Thank you so much for your generosity and sponsorship. If you'd like to sponsor a future class, please be in touch with Lee at brsonline.org, L-E-E at brsonline.org. Dot O-R-G. Okay, we're back to living with Amuna. We're only living if it's with Amuna. If it's not with Amuna, then we're not really alive. We're not really among the living. We spoke yesterday in the Parsha Shir about the notion of the Irastichli Be'emuna Viadates Hashem. That when Hashem introduces himself to Paro, Paro says, Le'adates Hashem. Moshe comes and he says, I'm an agent. I'm here on behalf of the God of the Jews. And Paro says, God of the Jews? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know such a God. Yes, I have a master's, I have a PhD, I studied philosophy. Yes, I've heard every argument for God's existence. Yes, I am familiar with the notion, the concept, and the abstract, the philosophical concept of God. But to know God, to know God, that word da'as, that word knowledge, is in fact the biblical word for intimacy, for the union of a man and a woman. To know one another biblically means to experience one another in the most intimate, intimate ways. In the Torah's view, something which is exclusive the ultimate revelation or exposure or knowledge one can have with another. So the idea of knowing God is not just to know about Him theoretically or conceptually in the abstract. The idea of knowing God is to know Him means to feel His presence, to be living with emuna, to know that wherever and whenever, everything is orchestrated from above, to know we're never alone, that we have someone to lean on, to rely on, that God Almighty is in fact going through what we're going through as He was in last week's Parsha, when he appears to Moshe from a lowly thorn bush, Hashem says, wherever you're at, I'm with you. You're on a high, you're happy, you're joyous, I'm with you. I'm in the middle of the circle dancing. No need to distance, no quarantine. You're in a low place, you're dark down in the pit, I'm sitting right next to you. Like a thorn bush, says God, I'm right there, right next to you. So men say when we put on our tefillin, we recite the Pasuk. As we wind around our finger, God, you are betrothed to me with Amuna Hashem. How do you have that level of closeness, of intimacy, of knowledge, of feeling of I can confide and I can trust, and I feel you can trust me? What is the what is the mechanism or the means of the Eirastich? How are we betrothed? How do we love? How are we intimate with God? It's the language of Amuna. I was thinking yesterday that. Uh, people know Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages. If you don't, you should become familiar with it. It's a very powerful book. And he identifies there are five love languages. There are five ways that different people communicate and receive love. It can be acts of service. It can be uh, physical connection and affection. It can be praise and compliments. There are five love languages. 
And a couple can't have a healthy marriage if they don't know the love language of the other. And that doesn't mean if you don't have compatible love languages or the same love language, you don't have a healthy or a, a marriage that has a bright future. It means you need to know the love language of the other in order to be able to be communicating, in order to be able to be communicating effect- effectively. So let's say someone says, I don't need praise ever. So I don't offer praise because I don't need it. So why would I think you need it? And why would I ever offer it? But if you come to understand it's a love language of the other and that you need to learn that, that habit, that act, then what a marriage you'll have. And the truth is with every love language. So what is Hashem's love language? What is Hashem's love language? What is ve'irastich? How does He feel close to us? How does He know we want to feel close to Him? Hashem's love language is emuna. When we involve Him, when we invite Him in our lives, when we confide in Him, when we unburden ourselves to Him, when we trust Him and lean on Him, when we, you know the exercise, I was, I was with a couple friends last week and one said to the other, you know, you're probably really bad at that exercise where you lean back and you, and you allow and expect a friend to catch you. You ever do that when you're a kid? That like team building exercise where you just lean back and you fall all the way back and there's someone standing before, behind you and you trust that they're going to catch you. So you know the type A, alpha male, you know, personality, control, micromanager, I got this person. They could never lean back and let someone else catch them. They're always the one catching others. So we are, how does, what's God's love language? How does Hashem know that we are connecting, that we want to connect with Him? His love language is our willingness and our ability to fall backwards and allow ourselves to be caught by Him. That's His love language. And the only time that you can have an intimate knowledge, not in the head, but that trickles and filters down to the heart. A connection is emuna. So that is what we do Wednesday mornings, living with emuna. We're trying to let go and lean back and let God catch us every Wednesday morning and remind ourselves it's okay. We are engaging in that team-building exercise with the Almighty each and every Wednesday morning, but we need it often in between, in between as well. And the way we're doing it is with the great Sefer, the new Sefer, Beyond Rachecha of Ravit Shemaya Morgenstern, Darche Kinyan HaDvekas. We're on the chapter of how to acquire this attribute, this character trait of Dvekas how to cling to God, how to stick with God, how to glue and attach ourselves to God, how to feel God attaching Himself to us. So again, just to review, we started out, we said, first thing you need is Amuna. If you don't have the awareness, if, you're not, um, if you haven't put in the thought that there's a God, then you're not going to cling to Him. So you need to come to know God. You need to date God and court God, spend time with God, and find Him in your life. You need to start your Hashkacha uh, Pratis WhatsApp group. His bonus was number two. You need to be thoughtful, contemplative every day. Set aside time. Disconnect from the world and connect to what matters. I wrote an article for this week specifically about this topic. I hope you'll read it. Um, The congressman from Texas who announced yesterday on Wall Street Journal that he's taking a sabbatical from social media. That in order to connect to what matters again, and he uh, attributes the Jewish people and the concept of 24 hours of Shabbos. His, uh, that taught him how important that is. What do we take a sabbatical from in order to be able to sit and think, to be contemplative, to consider, and to be able to be, to just be and to be present? You're not going to connect with God if you don't make time and if you don't make an effort to communicate. That was number two. Number three was Torah and tefillah. Number three was the big newsflash, that you're allowed to feel close to Hashem through religious activity. That in Torah and mitzvot, you're allowed to connect to God. They're not simply empty acts and gestures. They're not simply... Um, minutia and details of law, they are actually means and mechanisms, they're instruments and vehicles to feel Hashem's presence. 
When you daven, you're allowed to actually think about and talk to Hashem. When you do a mitzvah, you're allowed to actually say, this mitzvah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause for a moment, I'm going to be mindful for a moment, and I'm going to use this mitzvah to feel connected. Not just gesture, can I put a checkbox next to it? Not just a neurosis, did I get it right? But, wow, does it make me feel closer? Do I feel more attached? Do I feel more, do I feel more connected? Which brings us up to the fourth idea. And the fourth idea is what he calls Shemos. And this is a little bit more mystical, a little bit more outside my comfort zone, but we learn it and try to grow together nonetheless. The great Kabbalist of Isaac Luria, the Arizal, uh, revealed to us a very powerful insight and advice. How to merit clinging and connecting to God. And this Eitz of this advice is a new light, a bright light. We're trying to become enlightened. We're trying to see the light. We're trying to illuminate the darkness of our lives. And it's the notion of the Yichudim. What does that mean? Whoever has a sincere desire, whoever is motivated sincerely, authentically to connect to God, not just to talk about God, but to connect to God. I told the story yesterday in the Parsha Shir, but I'll repeat it because it connects exactly to this. Paro says, This God you represent, the God who sent you, the God who you're his agent, I never met him. I don't know him. I don't feel connected to him. So Hashem says, okay, I'd like to introduce myself. It's called 10 plagues. And through these 10 plagues, God says, now do you know me? Now do you feel my presence? Now do you have an awareness of me in your life? And that's, Hashem says several times in our Parsha and the uh, successive ones that, that, uh, that his purpose is the, the Makos, the plagues are a curriculum to introduce himself to, to Paro. So the story is told of Levi Yitzchak of Bedichev, went to Shmelk of Nicholsburg to be able to, uh, to grow, to be inspired. And then he came home to his father-in-law and his father-in-law said, Nu, what did you learn? And he said, I learned that there's a God. I learned that there's a God in the world. I learned that there's a creator and he loves me. So his father-in-law said, that, that's what you learned? You traveled far, you left your family, and you went to spend time by this Rebbe, and that's what you learned, that there's a God and that he loves you? So he says, hold on. And he calls in the maid from the other room and he says, no. He calls in the maid, the Polish maid, and he says, you believe there's a God? She says, yeah, sure, absolutely, I believe there's a God. She leaves the room and he says, that's what you had to learn? The maid also knows there's a God. You had to leave and go travel to the Rebbe of Shmalk of Nicholsburg? So Levi Yitzchak turned to his father-in-law and he said, she says there's a God. I know the God. I have a relationship with the God. So how many people, you know, there are polls in America that still say that most Americans believe in God. But it's one thing to believe in God. It's one thing to hedge your bet and say, I believe in God because when I'll be in the foxhole and I'll need him, I want to hedge my bet and already have said he's there. It's one thing to talk about him conceptually in the abstract. It's another thing to have a relationship with him, to talk to him, to confide in him, to rely on him, to lean in him, to feel his presence all the time in your life, to know he's there. And therefore to have no worry and to have no fear. That's another level altogether, and that's the level that we're striving for. So I'll share with you, I read this uh, story, which I thought was perfect for our living with Amun Ashir. It inspired me, and it's exactly, it's exactly the message that we're constantly trying to relay. It's exactly the idea that we are regularly, weekly trying to communicate. There is a visitor who went to the humble home in Zichron Moshe, and uh, this is a story about Rabbi Gamliel Rabinovich, a great tzaddik in Yerushalayim today, a contemporary great rabbi, a great Hasidish tzaddik, a great rabbi, who's not had an easy life, who's not had an easy life whatsoever, but yet lives with Amuna, his knowledge of the presence of God in his life. He therefore has serenity and tranquility and calm and love and happiness and joy. Children with disability, challenging life, and yet just joy, pure joy. So 
The story is the following. This uh, man went to the humble home of this great rabbi, Rav Gamliel Rabinovich, in Zichron Moshe in Yerushalayim. And he said, I listened to the Rav, and because I listened, I got a big ticket. So where's the justice? It's totally unfair. What happened? A few weeks earlier, the visitor had come seeking a bracha from a Gamliel, who told him he had to be careful about davening b'tzibur, and blessings would come. He said to the man, do you daven alone or do you daven with a minion? Now, leave corona dangers aside. We're not talking about the danger of a minion. Let's say it's a safe minion. But he said, you know, if you want to see greater blessing in your life, make the effort to go to minion every day. Gain the merit of not being on your own, but being part of a community. So Rav Gamliel didn't hesitate. So this man came irate. He said, I listened to you. I started going to minion, and what happened? I got a ticket. Why are bad things happening? I thought if I did the right things, only good things would happen. Why did I get a ticket? Why did it go wrong if I did what you said and I started going to Minyan? So Gamliel didn't hesitate. He said that you're like an insane person who runs around with no concept of accountability or responsibility. There is justice and there is a judge. You were speeding. You put yourself in danger and others in danger. It's likely you weren't meant to live. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, perhaps in the merit of your going to Minyan, had mercy and spared you, allowing you to fulfill the harsh sentence with a fine and a penalty. You got your life as a gift, and you come here with complaints, you come here with a grievance, you come here with a taina against God. This emphasized the makubal as the attitude of one not used to living with an awareness of the Creator and the precision of His judgment. Open your eyes, and you will see only rachamim. So I love that story, because it means to say, sometimes we focus on the ticket. What do you mean? I go to the shir every Wednesday morning. I read the book. I'm trying to practice dveikas. I'm trying to live with Amuna. Why do bad things happen? Why did I get the speeding ticket? Why was I in the fender bender? Why did I miss the flight? Why did something go wrong? So says Rabbi Gamliel Rabbanovich, that's the language of an insane person. What do you mean, why did it go wrong? Do you realize how right it is? Everything Hashem does is rachamim. Everything the Almighty does is love and is kindness. And if that's what went wrong, how fortunate, how blessed, and how lucky we are that that's what went wrong and not something so much more. And how much responsibility we have to take he says to this man, you didn't get a ticket because of God. You got a ticket because you were speeding, because you have a heavy foot on the pedal. So where's your extreme ownership? Where's your personal responsibility? You got the ticket because you were driving too fast. But you know, who knows what could have happened when you were driving too fast. So you're getting a ticket. is not the cruelty of God. It is the rachamim. It is the kindness and the benevolence of God who lets you get off with just getting a ticket and not, God forbid, something so much more. And maybe it's in the merit of the fact that you daven with a minion. So that's what it means to live with Amuna. That's what he's describing is the standard or the expectation. That's what we're capable of and that's what we should strive for. To live with Amuna at that level that, that we have this awareness and we interpret everything going on in our life. I got a ticket, not I'm miserable and woe is me and how could it be and where is God and why doesn't he love me and why did I get a ticket? But to first of all, take the personal responsibility. I got a ticket because I was driving fast. And second of all, say, God, if I got a ticket, that's what was meant for me today. Thank you, God, for the ticket. I'm so grateful for the ticket. I've told you before, I try to post in our family WhatsApp group about Hashgacha Pratis, not only the stories where it all works out, but the Hashgacha Pratis about the stories where it didn't all work out because that too is from God. You know, I, I, um, last night I sat in my backyard. It was a beautiful evening. Made a little pit, fire pit. I love those fire pits. And I did work late into the night. And I carried my laptop inside and uh, went to bed. And I came out this morning to realize maybe I carried my laptop inside, but I left my entire briefcase outside. Now, ordinarily, that's not a problem, except last night it poured the whole night. So my briefcase that had other technology in it, had an iPad in it and other things, was soaking to the bone wet. So 
my first reaction was to blame the person. I put it on the chair next to me when I was working outside. Someone came out to talk to me and moved the briefcase to the floor. And my first reaction was to blame them. If it had been on the chair, I probably would have seen it. I would have brought it inside. I can't believe they moved it to the floor. This is all their fault. And then I caught myself. I said, that's absurd. They did nothing wrong moving it on the floor. And I should take responsibility and ownership over my things. I should have brought it inside. But as I started to get frustrated, upset, panic over the other things in my briefcase, I realized, okay, that's what was meant to be today. My briefcase, it'll dry out. And if it won't, I'll have to replace it. And if that's the damage today, that's what was meant for me today, big deal, big deal. So I'll put that in Hashkacha Pratis. Hashkacha Pratis, I forgot to bring my briefcase inside last night and it got soaking wet. So my kids, I'm sure, will ask, Abo, Hashkacha Pratis. Hashkacha Pratis would have been if you went outside for one minute because you had to do something and then you remembered and you saw your briefcase and you brought it inside and then it rained all night and isn't it amazing that you brought it inside and Hashem caused you to go outside for whatever reason? And you... No, it's Hashkacha Pratis when it goes wrong too. We don't know why. Sometimes it's hard to interpret, but let that be the worst thing that happened. That briefcase got wet and it has to dry out. So it's an example. And I love that story. The Tzaddik of Gamliel Rabinovich, the reason he's able to live that way at that level and see that light, even with the challenges and hardships in his life, is because when you have Dvekas, when you cling and attach yourself to God, nothing phases you. Nothing throws you for a loop. Nothing makes you lose your cool. It's a briefcase. So that person said that thing or they wrote that thing. So what? Big deal. It's all from Hashem. In fact, yesterday I woke up to one of my kids texting me, Abba, did you see what so-and-so posted on her Instagram page about you? I said, no, and I won't check, and I don't care. It's, you know, if Hashem didn't want them to be able to do it, Hashem would have made their Instagram not work. Their app or their phone would have been what was left outside and in the rain, but it wasn't. So it's from Hashem, whatever's meant to be. If you live with that level, and I'm striving and struggling, I'm not telling you these stories because I've arrived. I'm telling you these stories because I'm not only the chairman, I'm also a member. So I'm telling you these stories because I'm part of the group. I'm struggling and striving, and I'm working on it just like you. But if you live that life, what a bracha, what a blessing. Okay, someone wrote that. Okay, your briefcase got wet. Okay, you got the speeding ticket. I'm the one who forgot the briefcase outside, not God. It's not his fault, it's mine. And it was meant to be for whatever reason, because if he wanted me to remember, if he wanted me to go back outside to check on something and see it, I would have. So this is what was meant to be, a wet briefcase. Baruch Hashem, it's amazing. It's what's meant to be. Baruch Hashem, it's fantastic. So like Rav Gamliel, you can never be phased. You can live a life of peace and tranquility, of happiness. Nothing will phase you or upset you. won't lose your cool, your blood pressure, your heart rate, your pulse, your pulmonary, every, everything about you, physically, emotionally, spiritually, your relationships. Just imagine how elevated and enriched it will all be if you don't seek to place blame and if you don't react and overreact and if nothing phases you and if you feel his presence, whether you get a speeding ticket or leave your briefcase outside or someone post something, no matter what, nothing can phase you because it's all from above, it's all from Hashem. So back to our text. The Heligai Rizal, the great Kabbalist says that we should engage in what he calls the Yisod HaYichudim, the secret of the Yichudim. I don't know what that is. Our guest tonight on Behind the Bima, Joey Rosenfeld, he'll know what that means. Joey Rosenfeld, who has an amazing story, typical modern Orthodox upbringing, but now is steeped in Kabbalah and he's a therapist for those in drug addiction. He applies Kabbalah to help people with addiction. He's an extraordinary, extraordinary guy. He's coming on Behind the Bima tonight. He'll know. Maybe we'll ask him what Yisod HaYichudim is. But we'll, let's, let's see what he understands and how he unpacks this for us. Whoever has a sincere and genuine desire to attach themselves to God has to enter this to be able to see this great light. And what is the simple understanding of the Yehudim? To draw in your mind's eye, to draw in your mind's eye the name of God. 
one of Hashem's names, to actually be drawing it in your mind's eye. And while you're thinking about Hashem, while He's in your mind's eye, while you're focused on Him, you will awaken and arouse within your heart a longing, a desire, a feeling, a connection to God. God has many names. Hashem has many names. And those names reflect different attributes or aspects about Him. So depending what mood we're in, and depending the perspective we're coming from, and depending on the effort to connect to Him in a different way, we choose a different name of His, and we're basically imagining, we're meditating. So this sounds pretty out there, it sounds pretty wild, but know that this is what's going on in the world at large. How many apps? Go in the app store and check meditation, and you'll find how many thousands of apps there are to help you meditate every day. I listen to some productivity podcasts, and these extraordinary uh, leaders of companies and motivational speakers, and they'll always talk about what's critical to a successful day, and they'll all include meditating. And in meditating, you're trying to clear your mind, and you're trying to picture, and you're trying to either repeat a mantra, or you're trying to create a picture in your mind's eye, an image, draw an image. And when you connect to that, it centers you, and it grounds you, and it's therapeutic, and it's, uh, it's hypnotic, and it's cathartic, and it is uh, transformational. So that's what Rav Shemayar is telling us, is based on the Arizal, based on the, great, based on the great Kabbalist, the Ari, is this idea that we dedicate time when we're disconnecting from the world and we're trying to reconnect and reinvest in that relationship with Hashem to, to draw in our mind's eye, in our mind's eye, the name of, the name of Hashem. He writes here in the footnote, There's many ways to do it. You could do it through writing. Open a chumash or a sitter, have a piece of paper where God's names are written, and just focus on the letters, focus on the word, focus on the name. Or it could be in your mind's eye. Close your eyes and be drawing or picturing God's name. As if you're seeing with your spiritual eye. And if that's not working, you can't read it in the chumash or sitter, you're not reading it off a paper, and you are totally distracted. You can't. So then do it as if you're listening. A mantra, or you're hearing Hashem's name being repeated over and over again. At first, start and do it letter by letter. Until you get to a point where you see the whole name of God, like it's flashing. Can you imagine? Like it's flashing. You're closing your eyes, you're meditating. You're reawakening your neshama through your neshima. You reawaken your soul. I know this just got very weird for you. It got weird for me too, this living with Amuna. It used to be we just talked about normal things. And now we're like, you know, on some, uh, you know, retreat center, like, you know, sitting with our Indian style or whatever they call it these days. What do they call it? Applesauce? I forgot already. My kids don't sit that way. Something, something, applesauce. Anyway, I forget how we're sitting. But I know it got weird. But stick with me. I'm trying to stick with this. You stick with me. So it's a very, very crisscross applesauce. Thank you. It's a very powerful tool. It's a very powerful tool to meditate and reflect and think about Hashem's name and through that name connect to Him. So we start letter by letter, and it can be from writing or it can be from hearing over and over. We start letter by letter, and then you get to the point that it's like a billboard. It's like you know a neon sign that's flashing at you. God's name. And it's good to be humming a melody that will awaken you. There's a melody that moves you. Your eyes are closed. 
you're breathing, you're awakening your neshama through neshima, through breath, and you're humming a melody, and you're picturing Hashem's name while you're humming a melody. Imagine if you did that once a day, ten times a day. Imagine if you did that right before you began to daven, before shacharis, before mincha, before your marav. You closed your eyes, took a few deep breaths, you hummed a tune, a melody that moves you, and you pictured God's name and attached yourself to it and to Him through it. Wow. Imagine. Imagine how that would move us. It sounds absurd to most of us. It sounds new age, funky, weird, out there. You know, again, stick with me, don't disappear on me. It sounds insane, right? Because we live in a world that's fast-paced and noise. I got the news on, the radio on, my, my, my smartphone is beeping and buzzing and, and announcing and Siri's talking to me and this one, Alexa's talking to me. The whole world is talking, move it. Like the idea that there's just quiet and I'm breathing and I'm humming a melody and I'm picturing a net. Like what in the world are you talking about? The fact that it sounds such strange is the evidence of how badly, how badly we need it. How badly we need it. God's name is Him Kesulam Umafteach. They're like a ladder and they're like an opening, a door. They can transport us and they can take us to certain feelings that we want to have. They can take us to certain realizations that we're trying to achieve. Hashem gave a power. There's a, a true power to these names. That when we focus on, when we think about, when we understand the significance of these names, they can awaken within us something very big, something very special. Names are very, very powerful. I'll tell you something personal that <laughs> may be embarrassing. When we were naming or thinking of names for our children, there were names I loved, Yocheved didn't love, there were names she loved that I didn't love. So I'll tell you something, I don't know how to make sense of it, and it's embarrassing, but I'll tell you, there were names that she suggested, which objectively there's nothing wrong, and they're very nice names, but I heard that name and it made me think of a person with that name who I did not want my kid to have that name. Names are very powerful. So there's certain names, I think the more unusual a name, but you know someone with that name, the more you go directly to think about them. But how often do we hear a name and you, you can either react like, I love that person, that name just brings me out joy. Or ah, that name, immediately I think of that person and no way we're naming our kid that name. I don't want it to be like that person. No way. Names are very, very powerful. Someone tells you a name of someone you went to camp with or school with 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. You go, so-and-so, I haven't heard that name why do you say, I haven't heard that name in 30 years? You should have said, wow, I haven't thought of that person in 30 years. But you say, I haven't heard that name in 30 years. A name is a very, very powerful thing. A name evokes from within us. Think about how when we use names, the power that that yields. When you were dating, first time that that other person used your name directly, and they said, Ephraim, so-and-so, and so-and-so. They said, wow, you used, used my name. Now my name is Rabbi. I have to remember sometimes that I have a name. But they say, wow, use your name. It's so powerful. Next time you're checking out at Publix, take a moment and bother to look at the person's name tag. And unlike everyone else that treats them as if they're invisible, say, Scott, Janet, thank you so much for checking me out. I hope you're doing well. Stay safe today. Have a great day. I promise you, you won't see it because they're wearing a mask. They will have a smile ear to ear. Because when you use someone's name, you know what you're doing? You're saying you're not invisible. You have a name, you have an identity, you have a purpose, you have a mission, you have a description, you have a name. You're a someone. You're a someone. When we don't bother to learn a person's name, what we're telling them is, you're not important or significant enough in my life. I'm not wasting time or space in my memory to know your name. But when we use a name, it's such a powerful thing. Try it today. Talk to someone and in the middle of talking to them, even though you're talking directly to them already, use their name and say, Sprinza, 
What I'm trying to tell you is when you use a name, it should, that's, that was not one of the names we considered for our trip. Nothing wrong with Sprinza, but it was not on the list, long list or short list. So, but use a name. Use a name and it draws and creates a connection. And if that's true with human beings, it's true on the checkout line at Publix, and it's true with whoever you're going to talk to today, and it's true that there's a visceral reaction. Some names will all of a sudden make you go, I love so-and-so, or I haven't heard that name in so many years, I have such great memories. Or other names, ah, I don't want to think about that person, that name. So Hashem's name, Hashem's name, there's a skula, there's a power, there's a koach to sitting and to thinking and to focusing. So this was suggestion number four. We're not done yet, but these are all things which will lead to dvekas. They'll lead to connecting and clinging to God. They'll lead to feeling His presence in our life. To find time during the day to disconnect and to connect to Him. To focus and think about His name. You know, there are people who will say, God, I haven't heard that name in 20 years, God. I haven't thought about that name in 20 years. Think about it every day, His name. And He has so many different names, and the names reflect all kinds of things. And the more we think about it and we draw that name, the more we connect to Him. And when we get the speeding ticket, we don't blame Him, we blame ourselves, but we thank Him because we realize how different it could be. When the briefcase is soaking wet, we don't blame Him, we thank Him because we realize I'm the moron who left my briefcase outside in the rain. Thank you, God, for my challenge being just this and not something so much more. Ula Dugma, now Rav Chemayer offers a, an example. Kasher Adam Hashem when a person enters to think about the existence of the Almighty, Hashem is everything, there is nothing but Him. Hashem is everything. There is nothing else in the world but Him. It's not Him and me and me and Him and that and us. There is Him. He's Nobody could post something unless He's okay with it. Nothing will get outside. It doesn't rain unless He's okay with it. So while you're thinking that Hashem is Ein Od Melvado, there is no one and nothing but Him, think about the Shem Havaya, Yud, then Hey, then Vav, then Hey. That is the name of God, that is Haya Hoveviyiyah. He was, He is, and He will be. We don't pronounce the name, that's the Tetragrammaton, that's in our Parsha. God says they can't know my name, here's my name, and so on. But that is the Shem Havaya, Shem Kol that name, he was, he is, and he will be, that name is the description of God, that he is the source, the essence, he is absolutely everything. There is nothing but him. He is everything. Just think about that name. Focus on, picture, see it. See it letter by letter. See it flash in neon. Think about the name and what it represents and means. He was, he is, he will be, he's outside time, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing. There is nothing but him. And therefore, whatever I'm afraid about, whatever I'm nervous for, whatever I'm, result I'm waiting on, whatever might happen to me, there is nothing but him. I think I told you last week or two weeks ago, one of my kids, we sang it on the line at the roller coaster. And it's already years later, and she wrote it to me in my birthday card this year. Abba, I'll never forget how you taught me to sing when I'm nervous, when I'm worried, when we're online at the roller coaster or anything else, when I'm anxious, just sing Ein Od Melvado. There is nothing but Him. Ein Od Melvado. Ein Od Melvado. So when you think of that name of Hashem, when you picture it, when you're meditating, when you're reflecting, when you're lost, when you're getting lost in that name, when you're trying to awaken and create connection, intimacy to God, when you're thinking about that name, think about it in the context of Ein Od Melvado. 
There's nothing and no one but him. So this process, this exercise, again, feels far out and way out. But try it. Don't knock it till you try it. This exercise of taking deep breaths and humming a melody and thinking about a name and thinking about what it represents and attaching ourselves to that name of God, it has tremendous, it's a mafteach atzum. It is a tremendous opening to key to success to live with dveikas. If you really and sincerely want to connect to God, then this has to be part of the repertoire. You have to be doing this. Not just davening from the sitter, not just check on the mitzvos, but spending time every day in meditation, in reflection, in attaching oneself to his names in this deeper way. Let's just finish today by finishing these footnotes he has here. These footnotes he has here. He says, it's not enough, if you're just going to be like, it's going to be another thing that you check off. I thought about God's name, I spelled it in my mind's eye, check, 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 back to Netflix. I thought about God's name, check, 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 back to the radio, back to the noise, back to the playlist, back to the conversations, back to the, then it's not going to work. It has to be a hargasha. You have to be capable of feeling, of emoting. Take off that shield, take off that armor, take off that protective insecurity, inhibition, and feel, and be, and be real. And if there's no one in the world you can be real with, you can be real with him. And I'll tell you why. Because he knows the real you, whether you're real with him or not. So just be. Take off all that protective armor that you think is protecting and insulating you, but in fact all it's doing is causing you more pain because you're not able to be. And just be. Allow yourself to feel and to emote, to have hargasha that goes with this picturing it in the mind's eye, Otherwise, it's a counterfeit experience and process. It's not real. It's not real. The Gros says about the Shem Havaya, he writes, Nimtza Kayam, Kenshu Haya Hova Viya. Ikra Avodu Lazakich is Guf Mehachomer, Vesanefesh Mechatea. Kenesham Mitzaratz Mechilik Aloka Mimaol, Vehoma Shamanem Yehudi as Argosh Belokuze, Rak Homer Vaveros. Vekoach Hashemos, Godom Odlin Lenakos Adam Lazakis Gufo. How does it work? We'll start with this maybe more next week. But what he's describing the way it works is our soul by definition is pure. The soul that you created and put in my body, it's pure. The soul on its own is pure, but the body, the body is a vehicle for impurity of the soul. The body is temptation and desire and indulgences. And the body is the vehicle when it makes mistakes for the soul. So when I'm breathing deep and singing a melody and pausing, I'm trying to elevate my soul outside my body for those moments. I'm trying to say, I'm not a body that has a soul, I'm a soul that has a body. So I'm going to take a few moments every day to be a soul, not a body. When you dive in, the body's still shuckling and wearing tefillin or opening the sitter or in the minion. But when you just sit and you connect to a name, you're trying to elevate the, the soul outside the body to make contact with the soul and to reattach and reconnect the soul to its source, namely to God, to God. And that's what we're trying to do, to feel a sense of hargasha, to feel. And the feeling happens in our shema, to be real and to be authentic even just for a little bit. So we'll leave it there today. Hopefully it didn't get too weird. Come back again next week. We're going to try to get normal again. But that's your homework. Your homework is to post in your Hashkacha Pratis group, not just when it all works out, not just when it seems right, but to post in your Hashkacha Pratis journal, group, wherever you put it, share it with others, just for yourself, even when it goes wrong. Today, I left my briefcase out. It was soaking wet. It's really annoying. Today, I found out someone wrote something nasty about me online. Not sure, you know... uh, why they did that or what they said, but who cares? 
That's also Ashkacha Pratis. It's also for Hashem. That's homework number one. And homework number two is between now and next Wednesday. Try this. Sit. Turn your phone on, on uh, airplane mode or leave it in the other room. Take a few deep breaths. Hum a melody that moves you. Picture a name of God and think, there's nothing but Him. And try to attach yourself and connect. Almost create an imagery of your soul elevating outside. It's going to go back in the body. We're not ready to go upstairs permanently yet. Please God, we should all live to 120. We're not running to take the soul out of the body. That happens when we die. We're just trying to, even while the soul is in the body, experience the soul, make contact with the soul, even at the same time. I hope you join us tonight for Joey Rosenfeld. For more of these kinds of conversations, he's really an amazing guy. Nine o'clock, we'll go behind the bima with him. Until next time, stay happy, healthy, and holy. Have a fantastic day. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. You'll become aware of every time we go live with another sheer and message from above. Have a fantastic day.